Hello, brothers and sisters. This is the Solidarity Podcast from Teamsters Local 769. I'm Brian Bezpiati, but everybody calls me Bez. In this special summer update, we dig deep into the primary elections coming up on August 18th and our endorsement sheet. Workers everywhere are under attack, and many of our members are out there on the front lines during this pandemic. We need to hold our elected leaders accountable and put new ones in office who will have our backs. Be sure to spread the word about the podcast. All of our members need this important information. We'd love to hear your feedback or questions as well, so reach out to us on social media, email us at podcast at teamsterslocal769.org, or call our Solidarity Podcast voicemail line at 786-456-7936, and we may even use your audio in an upcoming episode. Enough of the buildup. Let's get to a brief news update. Early voting has already begun, and many South Florida residents have already voted by mail or requested to do so. Please check with your county supervisor of elections office for specific dates and deadlines to return your ballots by. Teamsters Local 769 has mailed a full county-by-county endorsement sheet to all members, and for more information about those endorsements and the process involved in choosing those candidates, stick around for our main segment later in this episode. The deadline to register for the general election in November is October 5th, and one easy way to register, or to help your brothers and sisters register, is to utilize the Teamsters Local 769 smartphone app. Under the Political Action button in the main menu, you will find a number of useful tools to help navigate this election cycle, including a digital copy of our endorsement sheet and the ability to register to vote directly through the State of Florida voter registration website. Our collective power can really make a difference this year, so get out there and vote. The Teamsters Local 769 annual golf tournament has been canceled this year but our scholarship fund will still be awarding scholarships to 2020 high school graduates heading off to college. Josh Zivilich explains. Unfortunately, we're not gonna be able to hold our uh, golf tournament, which is the primary fundraiser for our scholarship fund. However, we do plan on awarding scholarships as we have annually for the last several years. So any member who has a child that is beginning their higher education here if they graduated this past spring and, and they're beginning their higher education here in the fall, should contact the office to get an application for scholarship. And we plan on awarding those scholarships sometime in December of this year. The scholarship application is also available on our website, along with additional details about the announcement and ways you can help support the scholarship fund. We'll be right back to dig into our primary endorsement sheet after this. Hey, Teamster members. Are you aware of all the benefits of your Teamster membership? Your Teamster privilege entitles you to members-only savings on everything from renting a car to sending a bouquet of flowers. All U.S. Teamster members and their immediate families are eligible to receive savings on legal services, entertainment discounts, car and truck rental discounts, credit counseling, flower and gift basket discounts, and interstate moving discounts. For more information on these and other benefits to your Teamster membership, visit teamsterslocal769.org solidarity and click on the benefits tab on the right side of the page. 
It's election season, and primaries are upon us on Tuesday, August 18th. Early voting will be underway August 8th through August 15th. And to help explain a little bit more about our endorsement list, we have President Josh Zivilich and business agent Andy Mattis on the line with us. How's everybody doing? Hello, everybody. So, Brian, with regard to voting season, obviously it's uh, it's always an important part of uh, the work that Local 769 does and the Teamsters on a national level and regionally. In particular, our members will find recommendations on several races within the counties that they live in. And we make those recommendations based on the voting record of those folks that are endorsed or the positions that they have taken with regard to issues that are important to the Teamsters Union. It's it's based on issues like living wage uh, ordinance protection. It's based on protecting the Florida retirement system for our public sector employees, promotion of film incentives so that our members that work in the film and television industries could see a, a rebirth in that industry, but also important things like OSHA, workplace safety, unemployment compensation. Certainly in the age of COVID-19, that's, that's hit several of our members very hard. And it's extremely important that we back those candidates that believe that extending unemployment benefits for those folks that were laid off as a result of the pandemic. So a lot of thought goes into making these recommendations, and we certainly respect our members' rights to differ with us on our recommendations, but we put it out there so that um, they know that we have done our due diligence and and asked the questions through questionnaires, both with the AFL-CIO and individually with several of the candidates. So that's that's kind of what, what I would suggest is, is the overview of why we do our um, election recommendations to our members. So you touched on, let's see, extending unemployment benefits, supporting working families, and uh, healthcare. Uh, yeah, healthcare is huge. So one of the other issues that's come up, and, and it's been a, an issue that we've championed for years, again, both uh, as a local union as well as uh, our joint council and our international, is uh, the importance of affordable healthcare for all Americans, and in particular, our members. It's with the recent spike in layoffs and unemployment, most folks that are laid off lose their health insurance and the expansion of Medicaid, which was on the table uh, and available ever since 2011, uh, which was rejected in the state of Florida by our previous governor. Obviously, that's come to light as, as a very bad decision. And it's important, again, that the folks that we're endorsing, believe that the expansion of, of, of the Medicare system, the Medicaid system, would help quite a few of our members that are in a bad place right now due to the pandemic. Is it possible that that expansion of Medicaid can be reconsidered or is the door closed on that? Yes, it can be revisited if it's the will of the legislature, in particularly the governor. Uh, like Josh said, it was uh, Rick Scott who has gone back and forth on that issue when he was governor on the Medicaid expansion of Democrats uh, year after year, try to bring it back up, but there's no will on the other side of the aisle, but maybe when there's the political will, there'll be an opportunity to uh, expand Medicaid in the state. In particular, one of the candidates that has championed that is a good friend of our local union, 
Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez, who is a, a state senator in Miami-Dade County. He's definitely committed that that would be a position he would take in, in a fight that he would gladly take up for us. Is he on the ballot this go-around? He's not in the primary, but he is in the general election. Okay. Clearly, our endorsement process isn't a partisan process. I noticed that there are Republicans on our endorsement sheet. Can you speak more about that process, Josh? Sure. It's, it's, it's not going to be based on party. It's going to be based on that individual's voting record, as well as the positions that they take on issues that are important to union families. Uh, so, for instance, in Miami-Dade County, you'll see that we've endorsed in District 115, House District 115, Vance Lupus. We've endorsed in District 116, Danny Perez, who are both Republican. And we feel it's important that uh, if the candidate is strong on union issues, they're going to get our support regardless of the party that they're in. Now, the lion's share of our endorsements are Democrats. And that's most likely having to do with the fact that the party platform is more in line with what we're seeking as union representatives of the Teamster members that we have. However, we do have and we do cultivate relationships with Republican politicians that are that are pro-worker. In Broward County, for instance, Chip Lamarca up in District 93, the north, the north part of Broward County. He's another Republican House member that has been someone that we can count on. He's someone that has pledged his support to bring back film and television incentives for that industry. And that's going to mean good Teamster jobs for, for our members. Yeah, and if, if Josh, can I just expound a little bit on the Danny in the um, advance? I think, you know, you, you, you hit it on the head. We, we, you know, and I've always had this mindset myself. You, you know, you got to go with the people who are supportive of our members and their issues, and regardless of what party they're in. I think all too often you know, we get, you know, labeled for being in strictly a Democratic party's pocket, which could be, which is, you know, furthest from the truth. And I think both Vance and Danny are, up-and-coming young legislators who are going to advance in the process over the years. I mean, Danny's uh, on it was already voted to be the Speaker of the House in 2024. You know, we, we, he won't be there on every single issue, but I think on the important issues that matter, he will be, as he stated. He's a moderate Republican. He wants to do what's right, fair, and pragmatic. And, you know, when you go over the issues with him, and particularly in Tallahassee, it's like we're always on defense because there's every year a bill that looks to basically decimate the public sector employees with, you know, the certification bill or no dues deduction bill, you, you paycheck protection is what they tried to call it. And having Republicans there who are pragmatic and not ideological and know the difference between someone looking to just, you know, go after you versus, you know, sound policy, they know the difference. And uh, I think it was a good thing that uh, President Zivilich supported this because I think they will be helpful to us in the future, especially because they're so young and they're going to be making their way through that process for the next 10 years. Is there anybody you want to call out that's on our current endorsement sheet? There's some open seats in the Miami-Dade County uh, Commission as well as the mayoral race. And in the mayoral race, it's it's a fairly crowded field. Uh, current County Commissioner Daniela Levine-Cava has been um, a strong advocate for Teamster members, even prior to her being on the Dade County Commission, but she was instrumental in assisting us 
in um, getting health care benefits premium expanded for our members that are covered by the Miami-Dade County Living Wage Ordinance, which was a huge, huge victory for those members and has kept their uh, health care affordable. That's just one of the many issues that she's advocated for. She's been a strong advocate for uh, worker retention with county contracts. In other words, if a new contractor comes in that the existing employees aren't let go, they are given an opportunity to work for the successor contractor. And that's important for job security. She's also been an advocate for expansion of paid sick time for the employees of the county and the contractor, the employees that work for contractors for the county. For those, along with many other reasons, we've endorsed Daniela Levine Cava for mayor and for Miami-Dade County. And so that's that's an important race for local 769, in our opinion. Right. I'll shut up for a while. I'll let Andy jump in, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, no, like Josh said, I mean, the, you know, the, the county commission, there's a lot of seats that are open. There's a number of um, incumbents who are termed out. So this is going to be a, a, a big switch uh, on the county commission. And there's two ways it could go. It could go uh, be a very conservative, you know, not worker friendly commission, or it's going to be a progressive commission with people who we believe are going to be aligned with the, the issues that concern and are near and dear to our workers' hearts. So um, it's a very important uh, campaign season. And I would like to take a moment to remind our listeners that along with tools like this podcast, our website and social media platforms are another good source of information throughout this election cycle. We will also be posting information such as early voting locations and dates to remember. I also want to remind our members to download, install, and register for the new Teamsters Local 769 smartphone app. In the app, users will find valuable tools such as the ability to add their names to petitions we are circulating and even the ability to register to vote directly through the app. Andy, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about some of the hot races going on in Miami-Dade? Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of hot races going on. There are some seats that I would say maybe two of them that regardless of who wins, I think that the, um, you know, the our folks will be okay. But there's a couple of seats that are up in the air. One of them is Robert Asensio. He, it's a nonpartisan race, but it's a area that is a little bit more Republican than Democrat. So Robert being a Democrat does have his work cut off. And that's District 11 that Robert's in? Yes, District 11. Um you know, we've we've engaged in that race in the past three weeks more so than we were prior. So we'll see. It's going to be an important seat. It could possibly be the swing seat on the commission if he could pull off the upset. But again, you know, taking on a 20-year incumbent's a tough road, but hopefully with the help that we're giving him, he'll succeed and he'll be a good added addition to the commission. And we're more than certain he'll be um, somebody who's going to be there for us and our members. And I think it's uh, it's important to note that Robert is himself was a Teamster member, was a very active Teamster member when he worked at the Miami-Dade County School Police. And uh, and he's I know he's proud of that. And we're happy to help a uh, certainly one of our former members as they go to represent the citizens of Miami-Dade County. And with that, why don't we bring Robert online and let him tell his own story? Joining us now is Robert Asensio candidate for Miami-Dade County Commissioner, District 11. Welcome to the Solidarity Podcast, Robert. You have the floor, so to speak. Well, first of all, I'm honored and humbled to be here. Um, Teamsters, I go way back with the Teamsters. 
you know, I was a young man when I first joined seven, local 769, so near and dear to me. Um, the first time was when I worked for UPS, and then the second time was when we organized the police department. So for me, uh, working families and, and uh, the particularly the Teamsters really means a lot to me. Having you guys on board is special. So a little bit about me. Robert Asensio, I'm originally from New York, like, like that guy over there, Andy Mattis. I came into Miami in the 70s, and I... Uh, family of working families. My grandmother died at 97 with a union pension. So, so I know what it is to, to work and, and live by a union household. But so, you know, I went to school here. I enlisted in the military in the early eighties, right? Served six years in the special operations unit. I had the opportunity to be in station down here in South Florida and um, traveled the world, but we always came back to South Florida. Right. For the military, I, um, Went ahead and joined the police department, worked from Miami-Dade County Public Schools, which, again, we organized under the Teamsters and had the representation of the Teamsters with the police. After, but as I got closer to the end of my retirement and, and I saw this wave, in, in not just locally, but at the state and federal level where they were scapegoating working families, man. They were going after our pensions. We saw it in the 80s, but now they were going after the public sector. I wanted to go and speak to my state legislators and find out. What the hell's going on? Why are you attacking working class families, man? Sure. Which is so near and dear to us. And guess what, man? What I saw was deer in the headlights. I saw talking points. That's all I would hear. I couldn't hear anything else. It just, it, it really, it really made me nauseated. So I decided to run for office. First thing I did, I went and contacted people I know, the people that, that uh, represent working families. Yep. And, and there was, you know, they said, there's room for you. I couldn't raise a dime, a couple dollars. And, and in the South Florida market where, where it's uh, really, it's who you know and how much can you raise, right? Good candidates often pushed aside because they don't have the money. And, but I was lucky enough to have, again, the unions behind me. Andy Mattis was the president of Central Labor Council, very, very important person in my life. He was one of their, he was their instrumental to, to getting me off the ground and, get, and helping us ultimately beat a machine, literally a machine. We were outspent. Some people say four to one, I think arguably it can be even six to one. But what mattered was the fact that we were able to get the working families behind us. You know, the message was simple. Let's send somebody who knows the plight, who will fight for you to the state house. And we had an added advantage. Not only did we win by uh, 53 votes in a recount, but we were able to break the supermajority veto-proof power, and that gave us an immense opportunity in the legislature. So fast forward. I'm now home. I lost our race, and I was going to retire, and I had some of the people from labor come and talk to me about running again. And looking at the landscape and looking at our county commissioner, where most of the issues that affect us on a day-to-day basis are decided at the county level, I went again, tried to talk to my le- to my to my uh, commissioner and like when I was in the legislature, he was horrible to speak with, horrible to deal with. And I'm looking at his, all his votes. And the more I dig into his votes, I see that this guy votes against us. He is part of why we have such a difficult time. Right. So I seek to replace him. His name is Joe Martinez. He's been entrenched. He's part of that machinery, the same machinery we beat in 2016. So, the numbers are looking good. You know, we know that the more we go out there and the more we speak with people, the better our chances are because people see that there's a choice. 
And that's what we represent. We represent a positive choice to change their lives. And something as simple as casting a vote on August 18th or before August 18th to change people's lives. I think people are starting to see that. Good. So that's my summary. <laughs> Andy? Uh, no, I mean, look, like I said before he came on, now that he's on, I, you know, I can make fun of him to his face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Robert, like I said, uh, Robert, um, he's the salt of the earth. You know, I, I, you know, I met him. She's 10 years ago when he was running this pension program, like this public employee pension program, basically keeping an eye on pension funds around the around the state because they're always under attack. And he was part of this organization. And that's how we originally met. This is well before he was going to run for office. And then, you know, as he moved along, we uh, we built a relationship. And, um, you know, now that, you know, Josh has given me this great opportunity to work for the Teamsters. And, um, you know, and I know Josh has had a great relationship with them over the years as well. I think it's uh, it's all good if we can get him elected and in that seat. Like I said prior, it's going to mean a lot to our members. Yep. And surely pensions are still under attack. So, yeah, man. So, so, you know, I forgot to mention about Florida public employees in 2011, right after Rick Scott takes office. And by the way, everything I say is not partisan because I'm the most nonpartisan person, but when it gets partisan, we're going to fight, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have to make sure that, that, the, that the people who are there making laws, you know, are doing it for our benefit, right? So in 20, 2011, when, when the governor took $1.3 billion out of public education, made it a point to go after the FRS water retirement system, the second and third strongest pension system in the country, they wanted to privatize it with no justification, right? With abstract numbers really would have hurt a ton of people. And when they went for defined contributions to, uh, defined benefits to contributions, it took $1 billion out of the economy. It took, put, put a hurt in some of our family members. Anyway, long story short, we started at Florida Public Employees, and at one point we had 700,000 people coming to the website on a daily basis. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if it hadn't been for the roots that I got with the, with the unions. And I will say, Josh Sivilich, man, I remember him as a young guy. <laughs> and now to see him moving up, that's a point of pride. Tell us a little bit about District 11, the boundaries or where that's where it's located. Yeah, so so it's a gerrymandered district. So the northern boundary is really easy to define is Southwest A Street. Every Southwest A Street, south of Southwest A Street is in District 11. Um, 107th Avenue, FIU, the corner of FIU, um, south to the Coral Way. Then it goes west to 137th Avenue, zigzags in and out, but ultimately goes down to 152nd Street. So the best way to describe it for those people who live in West Ed, it's Tamiami West, FIU area, uh, Lakes of the Meadows, the Hammocks, Country Walk, a little bit of the Redlands. Okay. So it's a rather big uh, part of the community. I mean, uh, part of West Ed, West Kendall. So it's a big chunk of land. And Brian, the, we've got a lot of members that live in that district. Uh, it's an you know, all the districts are important, but it, it, we've got a we've got a presence there. We can make a real difference in this race. We sent out a letter to all of our members that are in District 11, uh, encouraging them and and uh, to support Robert and expressing the fact that he's a was a Teamster member. We've known him for years. We know when he was in the Florida Legislature, he stood up for us on issues like preemption. Some folks don't don't understand, but they should understand that the Florida legislature has routinely considered doing preemption laws where the state legislature could undo important local laws like living wage ordinances, like prevailing wage on construction jobs, that both of those help Teamster members 
that are here in Local 769. That's why it's extremely important that folks like Robert Asensio get elected. And I know that Robert is very pro-living wage. He gets it. He understands that $12.99 an hour, which is the Miami-Dade County living wage, those folks are still the working poor, right? That It's a shame. Uh, that, live, that should be higher. But by the same token, Robert's shown a track record of standing up for the hardworking families in Miami-Dade County. So we're excited for his race. We're excited to be behind him. And it's great to have a, a former rank and file teamster that's, that's running for county commission. I, I'd give you a pat on the back, Robert, if, if we weren't socially distanced at this point, but uh, you definitely have local 769 support. Anything we can do to help, we definitely want to do, brother. Yeah, brother, that's going to be big. I mean, that's going to be defining. Look, you asked me about District 11. It's could it be more representative of working families, both organized, unorganized, just people who, who want a fair shot in life, you know? So, you know, let, let, let's talk about what this, this commission race represents. This commission represents an opportunity to give you a voice on that commission. When you have a commissioner that was first elected in, 20, in 2000 and has literally voted against jobs, he's, he's voted against contracts. You know, we know that the county, Miami-Dade County, has a history of dragging their feet when it comes to collective bargaining. Well, for those bargaining units that are with the county, we need to make sure that the county is bargaining in good faith. And I'm a guy, I have no problem. Look, I, I had no problem being on the street going after bad guys, and I've been shot at. So, so you know, it, it's these guys don't, I'm not scared of them, man. It's about time we had a voice and we, we got together and we fought. And we, look, we see the byproduct. There's a lot of hurt going on, and there's a lot of blame to go around. Because we, too, I take a lot of blame myself for not standing up sooner. But we're here. We have an opportunity. Your membership can really make the difference. Every vote's going to count. And if we can inspire the membership to come out and vote, shoot, they're voting for, the, for their future, man. Let's have a fair shot here. Absolutely. One last thing. You just mentioned about jobs, construction jobs. Look, West Dade, we all feel the traffic, the pain of traffic. Horrendous transportation, public transportation. But we can't blame the, the workers if the leadership is not doing, giving the workers, you know, their due to be able to, the tools and, that they need to get the job done, right? But our county commissioner has literally held back jobs. And he's not only favored politicos who don't care about labor, don't care about the working class. He's not only favored them by offering them, you know, awards of contracts that are egregious 86 million dollars one particular contract but if we take the airport let's let's talk about the, the west kendall aviation air executive airport what used to be called tamiami airport for those of us that are the old timers we can do a couple things there revitalize that airport negotiate long-term leases with companies that are there they'll immediately build construction they'll immediately start constructing jobs we can expand the runway and guess what we can land bigger larger aircraft to be able to create other jobs. We can tie into the state's system, right? The supply chain. When I was in Tallahassee, I worked with groups, 10 companies that represented $25 billion, federal contractors. But you know what? I, I couldn't believe how they felt about organized labor. They felt positive about organized labor. The problem was at the state level. And Josh mentioned about the preemption. Yeah, damn right, we're gonna fight about that. We're gonna make sure they don't preempt us. But we have to make sure we don't lose sight of the local office because everybody thinks about this, the presidency, right? 
And the president is very important that we get a good commander in chief, right? But we also have to remember that most decisions are made here at the local level. The contracts, the 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 ordinances, the you know the the, the zoning laws, the list goes on, and that's what people often forget. Yeah, much more that impacts your day to day life is decided at the local level. Yeah, man. I know. I got, I'm sorry. I'm hijacking the conversation no. because I want everybody to feel comfortable about me. But but we have a lot of work ahead of us. We've been we've been getting our butts kicked since the '80s. Labor. Look at labor across the country. I think right now, look. I'm looking at COVID as an unmasking, right? Unmasking a failed leadership. Everything that's, that, that was weak has come to life, right? Working class people have an opportunity to, to really redefine what our future is going to be like. I don't think there's ever been, at least in my time, a time where so many people have hurt equally across the board. And we can point to what's caused that pain. And it's people like my commissioner, Joe Martinez, that's been there Almost 20 years has been part of this problem, man. It's time for those people to get the hell out of the way. And let's let's, let's put in there some forward-working, forward-thinking people that want to work with all to give us a fair shot. There's no reason why we can't do this. And win this race, I don't, I don't, with, with the members coming out and the amount of people that are pissed off, I can't see us minimally. We could probably win it in August if everybody comes out, right? If we get our members to come out, but minimally get into the runoff. And we're going to transform. We're going to create history here. Um, Your lips to God's ears. I hope so. The members' hands, right? Yeah. You know it. Robert, thanks for everything, man. Robert, thank thank you, brother. Yes, thanks for joining us. All right, guys. Take care. All right, be well. Okay, bye-bye. All right, so let's get back to our endorsement sheet and wrap up Miami-Dade. Yeah, you know, Andy brought up uh, Senate District 39, and I want to comment on that. Javier Fernandez is not on our endorsement sheet because he's not challenged in the primary, but that's the race that he's going to be who we back in the general election. Yes, sir. And he's he's been a, a, a good friend of our local union when he was in the Florida House. He's I, I had a, a very lengthy discussion with him. He called me to find out how our local union was doing through the pandemic, how were our members faring. And, uh, and of course, we've spoken in the past on the mixed results that we've had as a result of the pandemic with you know, our, our members at UPS working record hours. And then it, it runs the whole spectrum. We have some uh, members that have reduced work schedules and some that were just fully on layoff. Uh, in particular, the rent car industry. And he initiated the phone call with me and told me he was going to try, if he was successful in getting into the Florida Senate, to really push that when things hopefully get back to uh, some type of normalcy, that there's a real push on the tourism industry. There's a lot of Teamsters and a lot of union members that, that work in industries that are supported by tourism. And I was just impressed that he took the time to give me a call and wanted to, to let me know that that's important to him. It's important to help those industries get back, get a strong footing. And uh, in particular, the rent-a-car, the airlines we know are facing uh, some trouble. The hotels, there's hotel employees, folks at the, at the amusement parks up in the central part of the state. So, so there's some real value in having some forward-thinking candidates that are running, that are looking out to uh, to help those industries so that our folks can get back to work. Right. 
moving down to Monroe County. Andy, would you tell us a little bit more about Mike Forrester, candidate for County Commissioner District 5? Yeah, Mike Forrester is an interesting guy. Mike owns uh, Mango Mike's Restaurant in Isle Morada. He's been an Isle Morada City Councilman for a number of years. He's a fisherman. I had the opportunity to meet with him a couple months ago. He's a very bright guy, has a really good grasp of the issues and what's going on down in the Keys, especially during this time of COVID. I had a very extensive conversation with him related to, you know, our members and who we represent and the challenges that I think we face down there moving forward. Seemed very positive and wants to figure out a way to work with us. And I think he would be, he's somebody who we can cultivate a good relationship moving forward. And I know that, um, Josh and he had a conversation after I had the intro with him, and uh, he's very excited and very happy and pleased that we have endorsed his candidacy. Which workers of ours are, are in his district? Uh, we represent all mostly the blue-collar Monroe County employees, some, some in uh, white-collar as well, public works, parks and rec, water utilities. And additionally, we have some uh, members with uh, Amerigas that are in the Keys, as well as, uh, of course, uh, UPS. Right. Is there anybody up in Broward you guys want to mention? We may want to mention uh, Chevron Jones. Yeah. That's that's an open seat and a, yep. a lot of different candidates, and, and he's, he's got the nod both from us and the AFL. Yeah, Chev, Chevron Jones, uh, you know, he's turned out in the uh, House. He's now running for the open seat for Oscar Brainin's seat, with, uh, which he's vacated. Well, he's out because of term limits. There's about three to four people who are in that race, all good people. Um, but, you know, Chev is a, is a real fighter. He's the type of guy that will use political capital to try to get the other side to, you know, do the right thing. He's a real fighter. He, he, he's, he's just a good, solid person overall. And while he was in the house, he, you know, he tried to move mountains for organized labor where he could. You know, obviously they were in the minority. He was in the minority party. But he did use a lot of his own political capital to try to help organize labor. He would agree to work with them on issues that he normally wouldn't mean the the majority party in order to try to get things passed or to try to halt bad legislation that would impact our members. So Chef is definitely somebody who who we'd like to see get elected, who we're helping to try to get elected, who we've supported. And um, he's going to be a tremendous asset to us in the Senate, and particularly Due to the fact that the Senate majority, uh, you know, the majority between the Senate, Democrats and the Republicans is going to be then it could be anywhere from three to two to one or, or if all things go right. It could be dead even. So um, his voice will be a lot louder and be a lot. Uh, they'll have to listen to him more than they did in the House because he won't be as drowned out in the House in the Senate as he was in the House. So that's an important seat for us. So you see the disparity in, in seats closing that significantly? Well, they're already like it's it's like a margin of three right now. Okay. So you look in throughout the state, you, we, there's a possible two pickups. Everybody's, you know, all the you know consultants are predicting one pickup down here in 39. Anna Terry Flores is, um, you know, she's termed out. So we're hoping that we, we pick up the, the Democrats are hoping they pick up that seat. You know, we could definitely see them closing the gap. But and again, we have a Senator Hooper who has been a champion for us. He's a Republican. We support him. He was great for our issues. He made sure that the bad legislation that they tried to put forward this year never made it to the light of day because it had to go through his committee because he sat on the Labor Committee. You know, so he's been a good ally for us on the Republican side as well. Right. Moving north to Palm Beach County, 
Anybody of honorable mention up there? Or? Well, in Palm Beach County, I think there's there's a candidate running for U.S. Congress, District 18, mm-hmm. Oswald Vasquez, who Andy and I and uh, Steve Myers, uh, our recording secretary, had some discussions with. He's an attorney and he's a union side labor attorney. He's cut from the cloth that we are. He understands the value, of, since we're talking about a, a federal race, he understands the importance of the government taking action to protect multi-employer pension plans that have found themselves in financial trouble, including central states pension, uh, amongst others. He got it right off, the, right off the bat when we brought that up with him. We feel it's a no-brainer for us to get behind Oswald Vasquez. He's running in the U.S. House District. Florida 18. Yes. And that district runs from the very northern part of Palm Beach County through Martin County, as well as St. Lucie. Uh, he's he's clearly the choice in District 18. Yep. That's my district. <laughs> cool. Yes. I know you've been active in that race before. Yes. Up in St. Lucie? Yeah. So up in St. Lucie County, we have some, some friends on the district, on the District County Commission, Chris Zadowski and Linda Burks that uh, because we represent a number of public sector employees, uh, it's important that we cultivate relationships there. Those, those are folks that uh, we've been able to rely on. Uh, also a longtime friend of Local 769 is Sheriff Ken Mascara uh, in St. Lucie County. And so we're, we're certainly backing him as well. All right. Indian River is just the only county beyond that, really, north. Well, it is, a, it is an example of us being bipartisan, and um, Commissioner uh, Joe Ehrman, who's uh, running in uh, Indian River County uh, District 3, is also on our endorsement sheet, so we're backing him. Going further up into the central part of the state, we do have a couple of endorsements in both House District 43. Alex Barrio is running, as well as in House District 47, Anna Escanami. Uh, Anna Eskenami is is the incumbent. She has been a strong advocate for Teamster members in the Florida House. And Alex Barrio, it's it's an open seat uh, in 43, and he's running there. He is formerly with SEIU, which is a union we work closely with. And Alex is a strong advocate for uh, on union issues as well. We're proud to back him in House District 43. All right. Be good, Brian. Yeah, I think we're all set. That a wrap? That's a wrap. All right. You guys enjoy all the rest right, of your day. All right. Take it easy. We'll be right back. Hi, Teamster parents. Are you aware that Teamsters Local 769 has a scholarship fund benefiting the children of Local 769 members? Teamster parents work hard to provide for their children, and funding for a good education is a concern for all who have children nearing the end of high school. Teamsters Local 769 Scholarship Fund is something all of the children of our members are eligible for, and all graduating seniors are eligible to apply. An application can be downloaded from our website at teamsterslocal769.org, so spread the word about the scholarship fund to all of your fellow Teamsters with children entering college this year. Teamsters Local 769 Scholarship Fund is just another example of how our local stands up for our brothers and sisters and their families. For more information, visit our website at teamsterslocal769.org slash solidarity or call us at 305-642-6255. Thanks. Special thanks this month goes to Robert Asensio. Good luck, Robert. We're pulling for you, brother. 
And thanks to Josh Zivilich and Andy Mattis for their help in understanding the primary endorsements of the local and our political goals. As always, Teamsters Local 769's Solidarity Podcast is produced by the officers and staff of Local 769, including Josh Zivilich, Roly Pena, and Steve Myers, with contributions by Local 769 business agents and by me, Brian Bespiati. We encourage you to visit our website at teamsterslocal769.org slash solidarity. There you will find show notes and additional info as well as links to our social media pages. You can also email us at podcast at teamsterslocal769.org or you can leave us a voicemail at 786-456-7936. If you leave us a message we can use, we may include your comment or answer your question in an upcoming episode. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you find podcasts, and we encourage you to tell our sisters and brothers about the show as well. Our theme song, The Vendetta, was composed by Stefan Kartenberg and additional music titled Onion Capers by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com were used in this episode, both licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License. Until next time, stay safe out there, and remember, in unity there is strength. Bye, folks. <laughs>